Welcome to episode three of Consensus on Reality. Um, today we're here to talk about the Philadelphia Experiment and the mysterious case of Jessup, or what is deemed as the Jessup Dimension. And our story here today begins um, in 1943 at the Philadelphia Naval Yard, where testing began on a USS destroyer called the Eldridge. The experiments on this naval ship sought to achieve radar invisibility by using, utilizing aspects of Einstein's first unified field theory and a concept within this field theory, which Einstein called spooky action at a distance. Um, and Einstein's theories were um, responsible for the rapid development of the Manhattan Project and were utilized um, you know, to a great extent within military intelligence during World War II um, and obviously afterwards. So the testing on the Eldridge was successful to such a high degree that not only was radar invisibility achieved, but also uh, physical invisibility and apparent dimensional phasing by way of the strong electromagnetic fog that was employed in the experiment. Uh, the Eldridge not only escaped the visibility of onviewers on the dock, but also apparently teleported to a naval dock in Norfolk, Virginia, and returned thus to the dock in Philadelphia. The effects of the use of this electromagnetic fog on the sailors were physical bonding to the structure of the ship, insanity, death, and future seemingly uncontrollable dimensional phasing or teleportation. And uh, that's um, the Philadelphia Experiment. And uh, where this story originates is from a series of letters from a mysterious character named Carlos Allende. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, here we are. Uh, we're talking about the Philadelphia Experiment. Um, so because this was said to have taken place in 43, uh this was, you know, a wartime experiment. They were trying to to find out how to, you know, mask their ships. Uh, something called degaussing was sort of what they were working on. But, you know, according to the, you know, the, the myth of this Philadelphia experiment, they were able to actually completely blank out the ship. Um, and that's, it's become sort of like a, one of the, you know, five most talked about uh, events in sort of conspiracy conspiracy history. Um, and these, these events originated in uh, letters that were sent to a Mr. Morris K. Jessup by uh, a character named uh, Carl Allen, who signed his letters e either with that name or with a pseudonym, the uh, sort of uncreative pseudonym, Carlos Allende. <laughs> Uh, Allende, Allen, Carlos Allen, Carl Allen. Um, and these letters sort of lay out every every detail that you want, you know, in a case of government intrigue and paranormal happening. Um, and, you know, from the, from the time that these letters were received by Jessup um, until, you know, today, we're still talking about these these claims, this this disappearing ship and the sailors on it that were sort of driven insane or 
physically changed stuck by stuck in yeah. the metal of right. the ship sort of melted into the steel of the ship um, yeah. so Jessup wrote a book called the the case for the UFO um, which was at the time I believe it was 56 55 or 56 the book came out and um, this was one of the earlier books to look at pre pre-modern um, UFO sightings and and encounters i guess um yeah and it should be said um morris jessup was a mathematician mm. um an astronomer it's unclear whether he earned his doctorate but he was an instructor of astronomy at mm. the university of michigan so this isn't exactly you know some quack writing a book about ufos um right he, he was an academic for sure yeah. um and the book was very very sober it was not one of the sort of many uh, outlandish. There was no tales of, you know, space brother contact or um, anything like that. It's a lot of, you know, just listing strange occurrences, a lot of meteorological occurrences, um, you know, stuff like that. But when the story really takes, you know, the next turn is when a annotated copy of his case for the UFO uh, is sent to... I guess it's a a military uh, place. Well, I think it's naval. Um, yeah, sent to the naval officers. And at, at this time, um, there were many reports of UFOs within the Navy. And right. the due process would be to report that to Project Blue Book. Um, and then they would usually never hear anything more about it. So some of the naval right. officers, it is known that they, they were looking into cases themselves because... Right. You know, they were interested, and this was something that was occurring a lot, um, and they they weren't really receiving any sort of feedback for it. Right. They were, yeah, they were getting these reports, sending them sending them on, and then they would sort of disappear. And you, you hear that, you know, time and again in this uh, sort of thing. But it comes in this envelope with Happy Easter written on it. Um, <laughs> and it's this, you know, it's a paperback, a mass market paperback edition. And you know, falling apart, and it has all of these annotations in it um, in what looked to be three different handwritings, um, though Jessup himself always sort of thought that it was one handwriting, the handwriting of uh, Carl Allen, Carlos Allende. So what the what the notes say are sort of in the same universe as the letters that Jessup was receiving, um, except instead of, you know, this, like, epistolary sort of you know, I'm trying to tell you this thing. It's like these three different voices talking to each other um, in sort of broken English or at least misspelled, you know, English. Um, they call themselves like brothers and they sort of have names. Um, there's Mr. A, Mr. B, and Jemmy is the last one. Um, yeah, it's it's certainly like odd yeah. language, uh, esoteric, almost seems like it could have been channeled through a Ouija board. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of, like, it feels very glitchy. It's it's just very strange. Um, You know, a lot of people will say this was all sort of part of a larger effort by Carl Allen to get this information out there for w whatever reason he had. Um, and it definitely struck a chord because yeah. we know that shortly after this copy was received by these naval officers, they got in touch with Morris Jessup and scheduled right. a meeting with him, um, basically to discuss why and how... Um, this cop, this annotated copy of his book, um, 
appeared to them. Right. And very quickly, they wanted, you know, better access to this. They didn't want to sort of handle this falling apart paperback. So they had it uh, retyped and sort of transcribed into what would become known as the Vero edition by the Vero Manufacturing Company, which was a sort of government contractor. They did some uh, publishing and technological work for the government. Um, so, yeah, the Vero edition is sort of like the... It's the same book, except it'll come published with um, all of these annotations in it. So it's kind of become its own literary work within the UFO field, which is a good thing to bring up because in the Philadelphia experiment itself, there aren't really any UFOs. It's not really a UFO story. The UFOs come in in the Vero edition. In, the, in these annotations, they talk about these uh, different species or races of aliens yeah. Yeah, and it should be said um one of the books that we focused on for this episode is The Jessup Dimension. Right. Um and uh in that text um the writer Anna Genslinger. Yeah. Genslinger, um is um Yeah. She's talking about how the Vero edition is is sort of cursed and right. who we mentioned last week um uh Ruppel, the uh Ruppel, yeah. the um Ruppel. the employee of uh, Project Blue Book actually had a copy right. of the of the Vero edition and his house burned down. Right. It's, yeah, it's one of those cursed books. Yeah. Um, and it, throughout, I mean, this is sort of, this is not a description that people use anymore, but they, they, they refer to themselves as gypsies, right? They're kind of like talking about how they're like these, they're part of this culture and they keep saying like, well, you know, gypsies like us and it's this and there's all this talk of like being part of this sort of secret you know not cult but like thing that um and you know no one ever no one's ever like said oh yeah these are these people so i mean there's a good case to be made that this is carl allen the the one man sort of creating this almost like an art object or something right. and sending it to the military and so i mean from there, uh, it seems like this definitely spooked Jessup. Oh, yeah. Um, I think just being on the radar of um, naval intelligence and subsequently military intelligence, right? I think, really, really scared him. Um, and, you know, when you think about that, you, you kind of have to imagine the place and time where if you were a UFO researcher in the 50s, um, there wasn't sort of leniency to that kind of like experimental thought um you were basically messed with you know and uh right you know there there would be um cointel happening to you yeah probably i mean at least yeah. you know strange strange things happen in these people's lives um and which is often why they stop the most famous case being uh albert k bender and the you know the three men uh incident which sort of sparked the men in black sort of mythology. So all this stuff is kind of coming about at the same time. Um, Jessup, I mean, and there are some who would say Jessup actually was working for intelligence. And, you know, there's, you know, there's all these different theories. But, right. It gets super cloudy. But, um, yeah, so we have the, the basic structure of this is the Philadelphia experiment is, you know, first mentioned in these letters to Jessup. 
Jessup was a academic, an academic UFO researcher who sort of is then pushed into this like, you know, maybe like the most representative case of high strangeness in America, at least, um, where it's just everywhere you look, there's some sort of like, just, you know, absolute bonkers, like, uh, you know, like, what do you like, anti-gravity stuff. This is like one of the first anti-gravity uh, tales, you know. Um, you know, people bursting into flame, disappearing, all these like really improbable stories. <laughs> Being at a bar right. in South Philly, a bunch of um, of crewmen of the Eldridge being at a bar. This is a legendary tale. And they were all there getting rowdy and um, broke into a bar fight. And then some of them started phasing in and out of physical right. reality. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, this is... Um, it's interesting the way these kind of things move. I mean, I don't know how much we should... I mean, you know, so this is probably like a hoax of some kind, right? right. Um, and, and this is the weird part. Um, so, right. you know, the tale of the Philadelphia experiment um, originates from these letters from Carlos Allende. And then it kind of takes Jessup, who is this established academic and instructor at the University of Michigan. It also takes these naval officers um, with it too. Right. And it snowballs into this, I don't know, like fierce um, conspiracy, you know? It it takes on a life of its own. And there are, you know, several cases of, of these types of things where just like a small nudge will create this like entity of... You know, and it doesn't matter how much you disprove it. Um, you know, I'm never, like, one to call, like, people crazy for, you know, con- you know that kind of, like, con- you're a conspiracy theorist kind of thing. But yeah. this thing, like, is a really great example of, like, the cognitive dissonance coming into effect when you, someone like Jacques Vallée, who is, like, this, you know, super intelligent, well-established, may, probably has some weird connections, whatever, but still, this, like you know, maybe the best ufologist of the 20, 20th century. Um, he writes, you know, a 25-page document, uh, The Anatomy of a Hoax, and pretty permanently, like, you know, puts it down. Um, yeah, and so who is uh, Carlos Allende? Um, from his family's account, he was a clever man from uh, <laughs> New Kensington, Pennsylvania, Yeah, uh, likely a small town. Um and he sends these letters, and uh, I believe it was his brother who said of him it was just like him to send books in the mail with right. notes in them, just trying to get the attention of somebody. Interesting. Yeah, he sounds like uh, one of just like one of those trickster, uh, like almost like magician types who like tries to like create these these situations. Um, yeah, and it's it's interesting because you know on one. On one end, you can think like, well, I'm not, I'm not sure what he's doing with the Philadelphia experiment, yeah. um, that invention. But by sending Jessup's book, um, you could frame it that he's trying to get this information out there, which in Jessup's book is valuable information. I think it's like a legitimate, um, right. it's a legitimate theory of, of um, UFOs, you know, and right. the, the possible existence. Um. So Allende is like sending this out there and, you know, maybe in one regard he wants this information to, to be acknowledged, but 
I kind of don't see him as that. Like to me, he no, comes no. off as a sort of like, you know, bored trickster who's just throwing rocks into oncoming traffic from an right. overpass. You know, there's like yeah, there's a definite definite darkness to both the annotations and the letters. Um, and, and you see this in you know a few other cases like this, but really this is like the best one where there's just absolute like I, I don't know I don't know what it is I don't think it's madness or what you know whatever that would be these yeah, days no. but it's like uh, it feels like and you know this uh, this idea has gotten really popular lately with uh, Hellier but like the idea of the you know the hyper sigil of like right. trying to or the uh, egregor um, creating like a mass psychic entity that um and you know that's a good uh, a good explanation for its you know aside from the scientific view of valet and others for why this hoax slash myth is so pernicious um spawned a couple movies um, right it's one of the wi- most widely recognized uh conspiracy theories right. um involving phenomena and this sort right. of stuff and it just sort of came out of I mean, you know, and of course there's always the chance that it's, like, real to some extent. Right. I, I, yeah. I do believe, I mean, obviously we know that the the Air Force was, was doing invisibility cloaking, um, which they had certain lights on the front of planes. The, the project was, I think, called Project Yehudi. Hmm. And they had um, certain kind of lights to mask the visit the um silhouette of planes on clouds right and the navy was trying to do this sort of stuff too and the idea of the philadelphia experiment is that they would have bent light right around the around ship. it um, um yeah and there, yeah there's always you know uh, as we see with like the stealth bomber there's always attempts to make you know these uh vehicles invisible or radar invisible so it all comes from like very legitimate you know, military interests, especially at the time. Yeah, but, I'm sure, like, the Navy yeah. was definitely testing some exotic things because totally. at that point, um, Germany's um, Navy was, like, far superior, uh, from what I understand, and we would have done basically anything to be able to, you know, mask ourselves in, in open water. Um, and, and going back to the vastness of this... Um, hyper sigil or you know thought form that Allende created Hmm. um its lineage goes directly to the Montauk project and subsequently to the phenomenon of stranger things which we could get into later um yeah it, it, it just it seems to have this sort of like dark trickster quality yeah and I think from there we could talk about um what happened to Morris K. Jessup right so yeah, he was found dead in his car in a, you know, a, almost like a professional suicide if such a thing can exist. Like, wet clothes sealing up any exit for air. He has, like, a real good hose going from his exhaust pipe to his, into the, the, the cabin of his car. And Physically, like, a, attached, um, right. almost like, uh, like, bonded to right. the to carburetor. Like, yeah. really... <laughs> Like you know, it does. It did not look like the work of a guy who just wanted to like end his life. And of course, I you know, in these situations, you always have to think, well, because like you know, depression, suicide, feeling hopeless—that's all real. So of course, he could have just 
wanted to end his life for any number of reasons that don't have anything to do with, you know, what he happened to be interested in. But given the, like, really strange year he had been having up till then, like, you know, the continuation of these Allende letters, the whole annotated edition sort of beginning to pick up steam with uh, Gray Barker eventually uh, of uh, Saucerian Press. He eventually picked it up and published the Vero edition, all the weird sort of, like, cursedness of that object then. You know, you wonder if what exactly happened to this person. And that's sort of the focus of this book. Uh, yeah, that's, um, yeah. I mean, Jessup's mystery and the intrigue there is what catches the obsession of Anna Genslinger. Right. Um, and that I would say, like, that's a huge part of the Jessup dimension is really obsession. I mean, it, right. there's so much talk about um, the lack of an autopsy being done on Jessup and his, right. the condition of his body. It really reminds you of, like, stuff that's happening today, like, you know, in a sort of, like, extended Epstein universe. Just, like, people obsessing over how, like, law and stuff is carried out in, like, suspicious circumstances. Like, yeah, like, oh, is that really him? Like, all the, you know, all this sort of, like, it's not a new thing is sort of right. what I'm saying, yeah. Yeah, and there's um, a lot of weirdness mentioned around Jessup's death in the book. Um, obviously, Anna Genslinger suspects that um, there was foul play in Jessup's right. death. Um, and it is said that his wife questioned whether it was even him or not, which is right. just, a, a, you know, could just be likely denial. Sure. Um, and I guess, like, she never identified the body. It was a friend. Um, and, you know, all the, like, there wasn't really all that much information is sort of what we're finding from uh, the Jessup Dimension, uh, Ginslinger's book. And sort of in a meta level beyond that, the Ginslinger book has become its own sort of like weird talisman um yeah that's a book that has gone it was published again by gray barker at Sasarian press um and it's her only known her only known book. book um went out of print very quickly um some people were saying that it was suppressed that sort of thing i happened to find a copy of the original just by like having alerts for when it showed up on the internet usually they go for like two or three thousand bucks but I got it for considerably less than that. And holding the book is just like, a, it, it has an energy to it. It's a weird object. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's deep. Um, I would say, like, if you don't previously engage Jessup's material and sort of this weird story with Allende yeah. and the Navy, um, if, you hear, if you were to hear the, or read the Jessup dimension first, mm-hmm. um, it kind of presents itself as a sort of like disembodied longing Hmm. um, where she just really engages a sort of obsession about this man that she didn't know personally who died probably 20 years previously. Right. Um, Yeah. She becomes sort of towards the end of the book. She has this sort of like, she sits in her car where he was found in his car and has this sort of crazy psychic merging with him where yeah. she, like, experiences his death. And so, you know, the Jessup dimension is, as she says at the beginning of the book, is, like, death. That's sort of, like, the dimension of death. Right. Um, or the dimension of sort of unsolved, un- unresolved death. It's, like, it's actually a very lyrical, very... You know, it's a good book. I yeah, think. no, I mean, there's this, like, amazing refraction that happens with the Jessup dimension book because I feel like 
um, she becomes obsessed with this unknowing of the circumstances of Jessup's death. And mm-hmm. I think you could likely make a case that Jessup himself probably became obsessed with the sort of unknowing from studying UFOs. Right. And I think that's a thing that a lot of people encounter where you just hit a wall um, where they're, I think the, the UFO and ufology like is almost a barrier between um, phenomena and humanity where it's like you can yeah. never truly reach um, some way of like truly knowing what you're dealing with. Right. Yeah. It's uh, the cloud of unknowing if we're going to get Christian about it. Yeah. I, I think, um, but we won't. Um, I think <laughs> something this, and you know, this obviously brings to mind the whole phenomenon of within within conspiracy and UFO and paranormal culture of like suiciding, right? Which is obviously a touchy subject because like I said before, you know, suicide is real, especially today. It's like, it's a real problem. But what we see in cases where people go where perhaps they aren't supposed to go is they end up, you know, in quotes, killing themselves. We see, we see that with Jessup. Um, We see that recently with uh, Tracy Twyman, who maybe we'll talk about someday on here. Uh, We see that with especially people looking into stuff like intelligence agencies like Gary Webb or Danny Casalero. Um, And even, you know, with like someone like Isaac Cappy, who you're not really supposed to talk about unless you're a QAnon person. Mm -hmm. So this whole suiciding phenomenon, it's uh, an unfortunate part. And there are so many like deeply troubling things that you find when you look into just like something as like frivolous as like oh like ufos are cool yeah like (laughs) two years later like oh my god like why are these people killing themselves yeah i mean i like weirdly in reading the jessup dimension um i kind of didn't find myself concentrating on that because to me from the book even Mm -hmm. though she's arguing that there was some sort of foul play or even like I think at one point she's talking about a lot of like MK Ultra type stuff where right. he could have been directed to his right. own suicide. I think that yeah, that seems like the most plausible. Yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, I didn't really find because to me it kind of seems like Jessup maybe did just kill himself. Um, but I mean, who knows? This right. is like the this that's the Jessup dimension, right? Of course. But like, I think it, it's more interesting this sort of weird refraction of the of the cloudiness of it all right you know yeah you don't there's no way to know i mean yeah like like i said of course like he totally could have just had some issue unrelated to you know just like and that happens and we didn't have like you know like the sort of open heart of the internet right back then like who knows what happens in a person's personal life yeah that has nothing to do so it's like it's a mystery um and something about this case, and I think part of the reason it survives, even after it's been, like, absolutely eviscerated time and again by, like, pretty trustworthy, intelligent people, uh, is that you sort of, like, there, there's, like, some sort of current running through it in the way that, like, I don't, like, I can't really think of another great example, but there are examples. You just, like, you become a part of it when you look into it. Um, like, I'm sure Anna Ginslinger wasn't, like, thinking of becoming a part of the mythology when she looked into it. I thought she was, she probably thought she was going to solve it. 
And then, like, she just adds to the mystery now, right? Because no one really... She had one book and kind of dropped off the face of the earth, as far yeah. as we know. And, and writing that book, it's just so strange to imagine her life at that time, you right, know, becoming right. so deeply obsessed with yeah. this conspiracy mystery. Right. Well, it's not hard to imagine for me. I do I do it all the time. But yeah, it's totally a different... It It is hard to... When someone else is doing it, it's hard to see like like what their life even looks like um yeah when you're doing that sort of thing it's like yeah the best way to describe it is getting caught up in a in a current and sort of yeah like becoming part of it and um, and she like expresses in the book um she's like you know i i, I forgot that i had to make dinner now right you yeah. know like yeah and so i mean yeah i mean so yeah anna ginslinger if you're listening uh, get in touch. We'd love to have you on the show. Um, I think people have tried before. I don't think I don't think we know where you are. Uh, I don't think anyone is quite sure at the moment. Or if they are, you probably don't really want to have anything to do with uh, this kind of craziness anymore. Because I imagine it. I don't know. It's probably a pretty traumatizing thing to get absorbed by a tricksters like psychic beast or whatever the philadelphia experiment is right So Allende does um, eventually, pridefully admit that it was a hoax. Yeah. Which he later retracted. Right. And that's like classic, just the back and forth. I think that's what makes me think he probably might be, if not officially, somehow associated with some kind of intelligence. He's just, he like, I mean, or, you know, there are people out there that are like master manipulators or whatever. He's just like really good at it and like... If he got the royalties he was due, he'd be like a millionaire for <laughs> for making this all up. Um, and then again, is it all made up? Who you know? Um, maybe we should talk a little bit about like the Montauk thing. Yeah. Which almost is bigger today than the Philadelphia experiment. Right. Like I think if you just mentioned, you know, oh, like the Montauk project, someone would be more likely to like be like, oh yeah. Yeah, and worry not. Um, we'll certainly give the Montauk Project um, its own yeah, several episodes, probably eventually. Because um, yeah, that's a ma- massive undertaking. Yeah, it's a beast of a of a conspiracy itself. Um, but it does find its roots, I think, in the you know alleged experiment at the the Philadelphia Naval Yard. Um, yeah, from what I understand, it kind of it seems to deal more with um, the MK Ultra aspects of does, and the sure. interest in psychics and right. sort of the John C. Lilly flotation. Yeah, experiments sort of... Well, yeah, I mean, a brief overview would be that Camp Hero uh, in on Long Island at, at Montauk under the base. It's It's an old military base that is no longer active, but 
according to this. At some point after its closure, there was this underground section wherein these experiments would take place. And it was sort of, that was sort of cre- not created, because who knows, but the, the major proponent of that was Preston B. Nichols, um, along with uh, Peter Moon, who helped co-write a bunch of the books. There's a Montauk project, Montauk Experiments uh, series. Uh, along with uh, Al Bielek, who is this sort of <laughs> another of these sort of grifter type, real strange dudes uh, yeah. who said he time traveled, sort of. Um, and I, I think he's gone now. I think he's passed away. But at one point, I had a signed Al Bielek book in my possession. I wish I didn't sell it. It's like having a time traveler's autograph is pretty great. Um, so yeah, we we see the through line from the Philadelphia experiment. Uh, and the Allende letters all the way up to Montauk project. Um, and so it had, yeah, it has this MK Ultra vibe to it, right? This mind control. Yeah, and 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 basically like creating portals, um, right. interdimensional sort of stuff. Right. It's sort of like is like a one up of the Philadelphia experiment, where like for them they were just trying to like have good weapons for war. But in this, they're like, they're trying to like explore different dimensions. You yeah. Know? Um, and if this sounds like completely insane, we know that the CIA literally had like a sure. massive interest in psychics and a lot of the research done at SRI. Right. And the remote viewing programs. Right. It feels like a sort of a sci-fi makeover of like the real remote viewing, uh, experiments and programs that they had right and that is what sort of became stranger things is basically exactly telling a version of the montauk project right and you know it was originally going to be set in like on long island it was going to be called montauk so like it had all these connections that maybe they just felt they were being too explicit or maybe like you know preston nichols suit or something who knows yeah but I, i kind of wish they had stayed going in that direction right and i think it's kind of funny we're talking about the philadelphia experiment we're talking about um you know a uss destroyer uh teleporting from one state to another Mm -hmm. and then you know we're mentioning the montauk project which should um conjure images of interdimensional beasts and stuff like that um but instead sort of in reading the jessup dimension i find myself concentrating more on this sort of weird longing right um it almost it reminded me of philip k dick's last book which is um the transmigration of timothy archer Mm. which is based on the bishop james pike who um was a prominent uh catholic bishop who became interested in spiritualism after his son committed suicide Mm. and um then sort of um, got interested in the sacred mushroom and the cross and right. and died in this bizarre way in the desert of Judea, mm. um, searching for um, this mushroom cult. Um, huh. And all that he had with him was a bottle of Coke, him and his wife. Huh. It's kind of this amazing story, but yeah, that that's Philip K. Dick's last book. And it, it's yeah. also sort of like a, a weird eulogy um, to mm. this character who just got caught in the fog, right. which is funny because caught in the fog is like a 
statement that resonates the Philadelphia experiment. Totally. <laughs> the, the apparent yeah. sailors would be caught in the electromagnetic right. fog. Frozen or whatever, like, yeah, what, whatever Allende said. Yeah. They were frozen. They were, um, yeah, I think all of this stuff is very, uh, all of this stuff is very Dickian, right? It's, uh, and I mean, we're going to have to do at least one episode on just him and his experiences because so much of this whole subculture of, you know, paranormal investigations and just everything about the world today just feels like right out of his, right out of his like nightmare or something. Yeah. Uh, um, man, this case, like this book kind of just threw me for a loop. Yeah. I, I felt like sad after <laughs> reading it's, the just I mentioned. Yeah. And you would think like with all this stuff, um, that, you know, there'd be more fantastic details, but the book itself really right. loops around the mystery of Jessup's suicide in his car in Dade County. Right. It's a, it's like, uh, how would you even describe it? It's like, uh, damn it. Circling back, it's really interesting um, how this hoax sort of spawned this whole mystery. And even just the other day, I was getting my cell phone fixed in South Philly, and I parked my car. This was um, on Tuesday, I think. We're recording now on Friday. And I look over, and the street is Jessup Street. Yeah. And, you know, that's not saying much, but it's just kind of funny. Um, well, yeah, in, in the location of the experiment, seeing this. Yeah. <laughs> this person's name and he's he wasn't like from philly or anything right he had no real connection to it it's very yeah that's strange yeah and i think f- for me personally um the past couple weeks we've been covering a lot of ufo um topics and dealing a lot with uh the snowballing of hoaxes yeah and i think for me it makes me long to talk more about um esoterica the occult mm. and sort of magical languages yeah um and conjuration because now I'm I'm sort of personally longing to get into stuff that deals more with a direct connection I see to yeah. sort of um what intelligences or spirits because yeah. the, the UFO field just has this like uh I don't know I guess maybe like sort of the, all the military stuff right but it it there's this huge barrier um I think that's yeah I think that's a really good point I think to a large to a large degree the UFO field is 
made up of like uh, people who fake stuff and also people who, you know, intelligence people. Like the co-writer of uh, what's a damn? I think it's just called the Philadelphia Experiment. Yeah. Uh, w- with Charles Berlitz, William Moore um, was sort of later, you know, outed as like working for military intelligence and sort of like keeping an eye on the UFO community, sort of nudging the popular obsessions in one way or another. So, yeah, the UFO thing is totally compromised. Yeah. But on the other hand, I do think it's part of the same tradition as what you're saying. Like, I don't think that there's a really meaningful distinction between, you know, uh, Enochian or Enochian conjuration and, you know, Crowleyan magic, all that stuff. And yeah. No, I don't, I don't think so brother, either. You know, yeah. Or UFO, like, abduction. Like, I think that it's all part of, like, I think it's, like, maybe, like, a pop science flavoring of, like, angel magic, right? It's, like... Yeah, I think I just, like, I'm longing to, you know, research some stuff where people are in implementing some yeah. control. Right, yeah. Or at least the illusion of it. Yeah. I think... And I think that hopefully we'll get into people like John D soon, but... I think he's a good example of what actually happens when someone has that kind of control. Uh, you end up with, you know, empire and you right. also end up with, you know, being totally destitute and sort of like thrown away by the end of your life. I think that these like... Crowley too. Right. Th- yeah. These spirits like come and give you power and then they just like use you up and throw you away because... <laughs> I mean, and that's so, that's so sad. But I think that's the same thing as in the UFO field, too. Yeah. It's hard to maintain it. I think there are exceptions. I think valet is a good exception. I think um, there there are some, like, long haulers, is what I'm trying to say, that because they're smart and quick and they don't, like, get sucked into it, they're able to hop sort of along the trail without, um, I don't know what the word would be, like, falling into quicksand or something. Yeah, and if you're interested in sort of a line between skepticism and, um, you know, like general inquiry, I think that Jacques Vallée is the perfect place for the UFO movement. Totally. He interviewed thousands of um, contactees, yeah. abductees. Yeah, I have like more than anyone in the entire field, I have mixed feelings about Vallée, but mostly they're positive because I think he's incredibly smart. I've been reading his, he has several editions of his journals out now, Forbidden Science. Um, and I've been slowly reading those over the past few years. Um, and he was just there for everything. Mm-hmm. He's just like one of those people who like, I don't like, yeah, it just like he was there for everything. Like he, he had a hand in like developing network systems, right. which led to the internet. He was at the beginning of the internet doing like, Ar- like ARPANET stuff and, Maybe we'll talk about, like, the internet someday and how that's, like, a... Well, anyway. But um, you can't... You don't want to bite the hand that feeds you. <laughs> um, True. Yeah. I think anyone... Yeah, if you're just getting into this stuff, reading a, a valet book is essential. Um, but, you know, he's a venture capitalist, so... Yeah. <laughs> but, I get, you know, whatever. Um this was a weird one, the uh, the Jessup dimension really yeah. kind of threw me a bit. Just the the book itself, I think, um, mm-hmm. was just sad and I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like repeating it, myself. Yeah, it sounds yeah. like it really took you down. Um, <laughs> well, I think it's just it's it emphasizes um, that that really that place of unknowing. Yeah. Um, 
in terms of the whole thing. It's yeah, and in that way, it's a very spiritual book. Um, yeah. And I think that she's like an evocative writer, which which always helps. Sometimes if if the writing is really journalistic or like very facts heavy, you don't really capture the the feeling of doing this kind of stuff, which is often frustrating and like majorly depressing and but also sometimes elating right i mean yeah it's it's a mystery um i think that as we maybe wrap up this sort of pseudo trilogy of podcasts talking about high strangeness and you know ufos and hoaxes it'll be interesting to see where that vibe takes us into you know talking about Stuff like divination, magic. Um, yep, we're looking forward to jumping into that stuff soon. Yeah. Um, we'll be truncated by our first interview next week, which we are super excited about. Um, we'll yeah, release some more information about that soon. And that is it for the Jessup Dimension. Yeah, check it out if you can. There's a reissue. Um, it's print on demand on Amazon. There's also an audio book, which really really poorly done <laughs> yeah yeah uh not the most engaging reader but but it, it's out there you don't have to buy the first edition even if it's like a cursed object that you want to own you could just buy the reissue um and also um the vero edition um of morris k jessup's book the case for the ufo is available on internet archive um, you can find a physical copy too right um and that's a really interesting just study of um, UFO sightings from early history yeah. to now. And it's also, I mean, I'm always looking for a way to compare things to art or poetry or whatever. It's just like a weird little book to just read through as like an object. It's it's really inscrutable. You just don't, you don't know. <laughs> yep. And that sort of sums up the whole thing. It just, you know, it's a mystery still. Uh, it's a hoax. It's been solved, and it's still it's a, a mystery. hoax that became real. Right? Yeah. Oh my god. And we'll be back next week. Um, you'll hear from us then. Thanks. <laughs>